The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. Welcome into Stacking the Box. I am at Vertoram alongside Josh Hill, and we waited till the middle of this week because free agency has been crazy. There was no reason to get into it earlier on because, let's face it, everything kind of had to settle a little bit. The first two days were nuts, and we're going to touch on just about everything. Look, first of all, the general thought of this class, and was it a success for some teams? Was it a failure for some? Of course, we'll dive into winners and losers we have to talk about some of the trades, oh, which yeah. the NFL is typically not known for big trades, but this year, a couple of huge ones. Two best receivers in football. Odell Beckham, we'll touch on him and the Browns. We'll touch on Antonio Brown and the Raiders. And then we will get into our biggest winners, our biggest losers, uh, as we go into uh, the second half of the podcast. And we'll wrap up, of course, uh, talk about Fanatics and a few other things. So... With that all being said, first things first, Hill, you were out yesterday. You, uh, you recovered. I am recovered. Free agency took a lot out of me. So I didn't, I'm not getting any of the money. I'm not getting traded anywhere else. But, yeah, we're back in business. All right, good deal. Uh, okay, so let's, let's jump right in. Look, free agency technically didn't start until Wednesday, uh, but by that point, everybody was signed. Oh, yeah. So the tampering period, which is actual <laughs> free agency, began 4 o'clock Eastern time on Monday. And uh, it, was, it was shocking. Excuse me, uh, noon on Monday, rather. Yeah. Uh, and it was shocking that, that Trent Brown of the Raiders, within about three seconds, had a <laughs> $66 million deal. Uh, but we'll talk about him and, and Oakland a little bit later. The overall class, not a... Not a sexy class. No. You know, Le'Veon Bell was really the big name in terms of, you know, just a casual fan that's going to latch on to mm-hmm. it. Uh, what were your overall thoughts on uh, on just the class that really, at this point, the class that was? Uh, I mean, going into it, you didn't think it was going to be that great. Like, Nick Foles is the best quarterback, and he's a backup. Like, he's a Super Bowl MVP, but there's a gigantic asterisk there. I don't want to take anything away from him. But, like, 
come on, he's not. This is when you say Super Bowl MVP quarterback, it, you don't think of Nick Foles. You don't even think of Joe Flacco, who we're talking about trades. His tr- trade to Denver got buried in all of this, you know, Antonio Brown, yep. Odell Beckham stuff. But that's the thing to me. What saved this free agency from being, I don't want to say miserable, but not as interesting as some of these other classes we've had in years past, were the trades. Okay. Everybody wanted to know about Antonio Brown leading into free agency, and then the Odell Beckham bomb goes off in the middle of the tampering period. And then you're, you're looking at everything now through that prism of, okay, Antonio Brown is out with the Raiders. What does that mean for the moves that the Raiders then made? Same thing with the Browns, who brought in some people. What does that mean for the Browns? Whereas like some of these other signings, you had your typical tropes where Trent Brown gets signed within three seconds. Every single year, there's this guy that gets signed within three seconds. Some outrageous deal happens in basketball too. Remember Timothy Mozgov got like a hundred million dollars from him and from the Lakers. Holy cow! Class. Yeah, that was like a twelve oh one in the morning, right when for agency yep. started. Brown gets this ridiculous contract. We were laughing at the Raiders. They end up coming out with not a bad class. I think if we're laughing at somebody. My biggest takeaway is what the hell are the what are the Lions doing? Yeah, They're well, New England light. Okay, so. You, what you just said at the very end is exactly what I was going to say, which is like <laughs> these teams, and I feel like the Titans are doing the same thing with like Adam Humphreys, not to be stereotypical, but like that like plucky white slot receiver. Yeah, Cole Beasley. Stop trying to be New England. You're not yeah. New England. You're not Bill Belichick and you're not Tom Brady. If you don't have those two people, then you're not New England. Mm-mm. Okay? It, it's, you know, when, when Mike Peel, or Scott Peeler, rather, when he went to the Chiefs, they tried to do all that stuff. They brought in Vrabel. They brought in Castle. They tried to do the New England way. They didn't have Brady and Belichick. It doesn't work. The lines, I don't mind Trey Flowers in a vacuum. $90 million over five years is a Oof. bit rich. Uh, I think Trey Flowers is a really good player, but I also think a lot of how good he is has to do with the fact that he was in a very good system for him in New England. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that that's going to be the same case in Detroit. It's not as though he's a guy who has 15 sacks a year. So you paid a premium on a player who is good, but is also very reliant on the system he's in, the versatility he gives you. So Matt Patricia, who does have experience with that, is going to have to figure out how to use him. But I, the rest of what the Lions I don't understand. Justin Coleman, $9 million? Like, Justin Coleman's all right, but to pay him $9 million is ludicrous. He's not even a boundary corner. I, people overreact to this whole idea that, well, you got to get slot guys now. you got to get slot guys. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Well... Let's be real. How many really good slot receivers are there in the NFL? Like you still have to pay the outside guy more, and $9 million in the slot is, is a truckload for somebody who has never made a Pro Bowl, has not ever sniffed being an All-Pro. Jesse James, a tight end. Like Jesse James is a number two tight end in Pittsburgh. He's a guy. Danny Amendola, <laughs> the, the epitome of a guy. At the this corpse point of Danny Amendola, too. Like. And, like, all those moves, they spent all this money. Is Detroit any better than, than any of the other teams in the NFC North? No. No, of course not. And, by the way, speaking of the NFC North, uh, Anthony Barr put the tampering in tampering <laughs> period. Uh, he wanted no part of New went, York. Went to the Jets, and then apparently was, like, according to Schefter, I, I, I'm paraphrasing, but was just miserable after he made the decision I was like, nah, I'm going back to Minnesota. 
and it, and it's ended up back with the Vikings. So uh, just goes to show that I guess the tampering period is good for something. Anthony Barr deciding that no, nah, no, nah, I'll stay in the NFC North. I, I'm I'm good. Teddy Bridgewater is kind of doing the same thing too because you've got he's agreed to go back to the Saints or whatever in the middle of the week, and now you have all this stuff about maybe Sean Payton's going to be in Dallas in a couple of years. What does that mean for Teddy in New Orleans? Maybe he wants to go to Miami. If you're the Dolphins, how are you not trying to get do whatever you can to get Teddy Bridgewater to Miami? Like, you don't have Tannehill. You don't have anything behind him. Like, you need to get Teddy Bridgewater to Miami. Like if he, and he, it seems like he wants to go. Like, he has no loyalty or no roots in New Orleans. Like, he was traded there last year. He's bounced around. The only real roots that he has, you could argue, is or Minnesota. So he's got nothing. Bring him to Miami. If you're Teddy Bridgewater, you have to go somewhere you can start, if that's yeah. at all possible. I mean, unless, unless you just really feel like, look, physically, there's just no way, and I'm better off holding the clipboard. If that's the case, you should retire. Um, and if you're the Dolphins, like Tyrod Taylor signed up to Chargers for two years, mm-hmm. which I guess Tyrod has capitulated and accepted he's never going to start really again. Because <laughs> Let's face it, you go there, you're a backup, obviously. Um, if you're the Dolphins, I understand they're, they're rebuilding this thing, but you've got to have somebody who can play quarterback. And if they're going to cut mm-hmm. Tannehill, well, Bridgewater is really the best option. Yeah. And you know what? I'm not a huge Bridgewater guy. I'm happy for him personally that he's back. I think he's, you know, he's, a, he's a nice young man and good for him. But at the same point, I don't look at Teddy Bridgewater and think franchise guy. But he's young. You never know. There have been instances in the past of guys who have gotten shots later in their career and they've been good. So I think it's a perfect marriage. Really, for both sides. Teddy gets a starting gig, and the, the Dolphins get at least a young hope in quarter, in, at the quarterback position, and they may draft somebody. And if they do, well, then you let that play out how it plays out. But at least, at least you have a plan, and you have some options moving forward. Well, Bertram, if we're talking about plans and options moving forward, we talk a lot about the Cleveland Browns on this show. Yes. We've talked a lot about Hugh Jackson and that hole, that black hole that they got sucked into. Now it seems like there's some light. Okay, last year we get Teddy, or, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, we get Baker Mayfield in Cleveland, kind of rejuvenates things, starts halfway through the year, has everybody excited about football in Cleveland. Looks like they're going to have a decent free agency class, and they do go out and get some guys. I mean, they go out and get Kareem Hunt, which is a controversial move, but a smart football decision, making moves here and there, and then they go and they trade for Beckham with the good hair. They get Odell Beckham from the Giants. 17th overall pick goes back to New York. Doesn't matter what else. And Jabril Peppers. <laughs> he got thrown in there. Jersey native. Jersey yeah. guy. So, but the big, big takeaway out of that is that the Cleveland Browns now have an offense made up of Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Kareem Hunt, and David Njoku. And Demetrius Harris, a former chief. Well, so that that, that breaks things down. Yeah, a little bit. Demetrius <laughs> Harris dropped more balls yeah. than catch this year. But all of a sudden, we have the Cleveland Browns, who the Steelers just traded away Antonio Brown, who we'll get to, and they lost Le'Veon Bell. Not looking like there's a whole lot going on in Baltimore. Cincinnati, we don't know what that... We got a first-year head coach who nobody thought was going to be a head coach this year. We don't know what's going on with Andy Dalton. People were already talking about the Browns maybe winning the AFC North next year. Now that they have Odell Beckham, I don't... I'm, People are going to jump to the Super Bowl favorite thing. That's really stupid. But do you at least see the Browns being a playoff team? If they don't make the playoffs this year, is that, or what kind of reaction are we going to have at the end of the year? If they don't make the playoffs, it's a failure. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty big failure. Uh, I, I can tell you right now, I'm going to pick up to win the AFC North yeah. when our predictions come out in September. So, spoiler alert there. I, yeah, I, Because, look, let's, let's just quickly – the Bengals are, are a team that's in transition at best. Oh, yeah. Okay? And, and I like Zach Taylor – I think he's a smart guy. I think he'll be a good coach. But 
the Bengals are, are not winning the, the division this year. No. The Ravens lost C.J. Mosley. They lost Terrell Suggs. They lost Zadaria Smith. I know they got Earl Thomas, but they lose Eric Weddle, who was the quarterback on that defense last year. Mm-hmm. They lost Michael Crabtree. They lost John Brown. The Ravens are shell of what they were last season. I don't like, just listen. We'll we'll talk a little bit about the Ravens later when we get to winners and losers. You can probably tell where I'm falling on that. Yeah. But they lost a lot of guys. The Steelers. Brown is traded. Bell is gone. They brought in Stephen Nelson as their big move defensively. I got to tell you, <laughs> okay, look. I watched Kansas City. That might be a newsflash to people who, who listen to this podcast. And I watch the Chiefs every game uh, live. and in, he, he is not fixing the secondary, okay? He's a borderline number two corner. So I look at Cleveland with all the moves they've made. They better win the division. Yeah. I mean, that team better win 10-11 games. If it doesn't do that, it, it is a failure. And look, the, look, I don't believe that they're a Super Bowl contender because it, it, you got to put all these pieces together. It's got to all work. Freddie Kitchens has never even been a coordinator for a full year, let alone a head coach at any level. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot to parse through. And I do think the Browns need to fix the defense, too, to some degree. Like Ward is a, is a great young corner, but they need somebody on the opposite side. I, I don't know that they're great in coverage with the linebackers. So, look, there are still some issues. I still think the Browns are a team that's kind of on the rise more than they are that they've arrived, so to speak. But yeah, I'm, I'm picking them to win the division. If they don't win the division, that's a that's a major problem. You kind of touched on it, but like, what kind of already Freddie Kitchens had pressure on him because this is a guy who was basically you know a hard knock star in the off season, ascends to offensive coordinator when they get rid of Todd Haley and they kind of gut the the entire staff that they got going on there. Now he's the head coach. And we had, you know, conversations during the season about maybe Mike McCarthy's going to come in and be the head coach. Baker, any time you get a sexy young quarterback, you're going to you're going to be a destination. You know, we heard Lincoln Riley, but you're also talking about other big names that could maybe come there that were out there. What happens if Freddie Kit I mean, what kind of pressures on Freddie Kitchens right now? Cuz like already he's it's through the roof. And now he's got all of this going on. Like I'm room for him because we're pulling you and I were pulling for Browns fans for years now, yeah, but my god. Freddie Kitchens, what are you going to do, man? Well, look, you know, sources told fan-sided for, for months, really, throughout this whole thing since they fired Hugh Jackson, which if you listen to this podcast, <laughs> Hill and I didn't even just pour one out. We poured the entire six-pack out for oh. the Browns fans. Um, but the sources indicated that, look, the Browns had a lot of interest in McCarthy. It didn't work out for a variety of reasons, one of which was financial, one of which was he was kind of coy. I think he was trying – I think Mike wanted to see what offers he could get, maybe the Jets job. Um, and and the, the Browns just felt like they couldn't wait anymore. But the ownership wanted Greg Williams. The ownership wanted to keep Greg Williams there. And John Dorsey had no interest in retaining Greg Williams as the head coach. And he was worried about his personality clash. And then when there started to be some interest in Kitchens outside of Cleveland as being an offensive coordinator somewhere, they both kind of said, okay, let's go with Freddie. We'll compromise, both like him. Uh, and this might be the easiest way to keep him. So is that the best way to go about hiring a head coach? We'll find out. Uh, but Kitchens did do a great job of the offense when he was the OC last year. Look, I, I think ultimately with the Browns, th- my biggest question is more of a mental side of it than it is physical. They have a lot of talent. There's no question. They've got two stud receivers, real good young up-and-coming quarterback. Kareem Hunt, forget about the off-field stuff for a minute. He's a terrific running back. And Joku, I think Joku's a tad overrated. He's really never broken out, but the athletic ability is certainly there. And I think with the guys around him now, he's going to see less and less coverage. So that should help him to find his potential. That all being said, um, the one thing with the Browns is last year they were previously an all-16 team. Mm-hmm. Then it became 
well, they're plucky and they're fun and they have all this swagger with Baker and they're exciting. There was no pressure. No. There was absolutely... If they won a game, it was literally cause for celebration. Mm-hmm. Now the pressure's on. And you got to win now. Everybody in Cleveland wants them and expects them to win right now. And all of a sudden, you find Pittsburgh in this, in this weird situation where they're kind of forgotten about. Yep. And nobody expects anything out of Pittsburgh. Look, I'm not, we're both on the same page and have been on a, for a while with the Steelers that that team's trending down. The one caution I'd have is the Steelers have played with expectations for a long time. And they have a lot of guys in that team who know how to play with them. The Browns don't. And so if this, goes, if this is a race late in the year, the Steelers, now granted, they have been known to choke in ridiculous games. Oh, yeah. But if, like they, if these two teams see each other in Week 16 or something, and the division's on the line, one team's been there a million times over. Mm-hmm. The other one has. I still like the Browns. I'm still picking them to win the division. Don't get me wrong. But the Steelers are the one team in that division that I still think they're going to get overlooked. Just They're going to almost be dismissed. And while I do think the Browns are the better team, there is... Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Something to be said for that team that has been there over and over and over. So I think, I think it's an interesting race between two teams that used to be great rivals. And then oh, yeah. that fell by the wayside because Browns are terrible for so long. Now should be back again. Yeah, and I mean the Browns, wrap up on the Browns here, but the Browns schedule next year, they get the Ravens, Bengals, Steelers, Dolphins, Bills, Seahawks, and Rams at home. Not necessarily an easy home slate. Or no. the Titans, too. Your favorite, your favorite quarterback. Yeah, it'd be fun to watch Mario throw for 80 yards on 30 attempts. <laughs> and then they, they head to Baltimore, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, the Jets, New England on the road. That's tough. Uh, the Cardinals, 49ers, Broncos. So it's not necessarily the hardest schedule, but there are some things in there where you could say everybody's going to... I just foresee this happening. We're going to get the predictions coming out, and you're going to have people saying, yeah, the Browns are going 11-5, 12-4 this year. That's, I mean, they get 9-7, and 8-8. Eight and eight. Like, that's not necessarily outside the realm of possibility when you no. look at this. By the way, the Cardinals could be uh, Baker and Kyler. Could be. That'd be interesting. No, I'll, Yeah, I think the Browns... I think they're a 10 or 11-win team if they're healthy, but... I do need to see Freddie Kitchens as a head coach yep. because people overlook that all the time in the NFL. It matters. Like there are some sports that like to coach whatever. It doesn't really make that big of a difference in the NFL. It matters who your head coach is. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, and by the way, uh, Browns fans, they ought to know about that. Oh yeah. Big time. Speaking of head coaches and what matters, uh, the Oakland Raiders and John Gruden last year, not pretty at all. Four and 12, we don't know what they're going to do with. There's still three draft first round draft picks that yeah. they have, and they have a top second round pick. They have four of the first thirty five picks. Which, I'm, well, let's start with this because I've got this on our list here. But so last year we saw what John Gruden did with that team when he had Reggie McKenzie, aka Sacrificial Lamb, as his general manager. He gets, he trades Cleo Mack, he trades Amari Cooper. Reggie McKenzie gets fired halfway through the year in a weird way where he's like, "You can stay," and he's like, "Nah, I'm out." Like, yeah. kudos to Reggie McKenzie. Um, so. We see what John Gruden does last year. Now, this offseason, they trade for Antonio Brown. They sign Tyrell Williams. They get LaMarcus Joyner. They seem to be in on Le'Veon Bell for a while, but Mark Davis may or may not have had enough money to actually go out and make that deal. 
long story short is the, Ra- the Raiders look different now. And there's a, there's a confidence and a swagger and an attention being paid to the Raiders. Do you credit that more to John Gruden and his long-term plan, the long con, or Mike Mayock, the new general manager, who's come in and said, okay, give me the sh- or here, play with the shiny ball in the corner, John. I'm going to try and fix this, what's going on here. Who do you give more credit to? You know, it's hard to say. I think both of them are significantly involved, of course. But ultimately, if Gruden doesn't want something done, it's not getting done mm-hmm. because he makes $100 million. So I would say that, look, ultimately people are going to put this on Gruden one way or the other, good or bad. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel about it. My biggest question with the Raiders, and we'll, we'll dive into them here in the next few minutes, but I, I, I wonder what their plan is. Yeah. Because when they traded Mac and they traded Cooper – and they cut a bunch of guys, and they moved on from all their players after, by the way, signing a ton of all their players to begin the offseason. You said, okay, they're rebuilding. They're tearing this thing down. There was a lot of talk to Eric Carr might get moved. Now the Raiders have been one of the most aggressive teams for the last two weeks. They mm-hmm. traded for Antonio Brown. They signed Trent Brown to a huge deal. They signed Tyrell Williams to $11 million a year. They signed Marcus Joyner to $10.5 million a year. These are not insignificant contracts. These are huge contracts. They gave gave Antonio Brown extra $30 million guaranteed in this deal. So the Raiders are like loading up here, which is just totally counter to what they were doing six months ago. Now, you could argue, hey, if they hit on three of these top four picks that they have with all these guys, they're immediately a much better football team. I don't think there's any question about that. But now you're kind of stuck in the middle. You're not young, but you're not old because you you know and and there's nothing wrong with having a a median age range but when you strip down the whole team typically teams will say okay we're going to just draft we're going to we're not going to worry about any kind of free agent that's over the age of you know 29 unless they're on a one-year deal and the Raiders haven't done it the Raiders have gone out and spent a lot of money on guys who you know Brown Trent Brown's 25 Williams I believe is 27 Joyner's 27 or 28 so they're not old but they're not Draft picks are not really young guys. So it's it's just kind of a weird mishmash of a plan, and I'm just kind of curious how the Raiders are going to go from here. Yeah, and they also don't have a running back. Like, we're talking no, about this don't. offense that they're filling out, and it's like it's nice that they have Tyrell Williams and that they have Antonio Brown, who Derek Carr can now throw to. And, of course, Jordy Nelson, how could we forget? But, I mean, they have no running back. Marshawn Lynch is a free agent. Doug Martin's a free agent. And you look at the free agents that are out there now. I mean, they didn't go out and get Le'Veon Bell, which would have been great. If you're a Raiders fan, to see you know two of the three Bs in, in Pittsburgh come out to Oakland, but Tevin Coleman's in San Francisco. They didn't go out and get Mark Ingram, Adrian Peterson, who seemed like a textbook John Gruden old guy signing. He goes back to Washington, and from there, it's like, what, what are you going to go get? Are you going to go get Spencer Ware, C.J. Anderson, Jay Ajayi? And then you're back down to Doug Martin. Like, I, I'm, I'm confident that the Raiders are going to be a little bit better next year, but that's because the bar has been set so incredibly low for this team and then it's like what are they going to do with those draft picks because it's been established now for a year and a half with John Gruden running this team that he does not like young players and that's not something that's new like you know Joey Porter was interviewed last week I was on TMZ or something where he said that when I was with John Gruden I came in as a rookie that dude was Satan like he hates young players look what he did in Tampa he gets when he goes to Tampa Bay he gets rid of some of uh, Tony Dungy's young guys doesn't draft particularly well so I'm concerned. I'm with you. I'm concerned about the direction of this team. Mayock being there, I think, is actually good because he's a guy who's going to step up to Gruden and he's going to tell it right back to him. Gruden's going to get, you know, all flustered and he's going to do his Gruden thing, but Mayock's going to do his Mayock thing. So I'd love to be a fly on that war room 
on draft day to, to hear Mayock and John Gruden going back and forth when Gruden wants to take Kyler Murray number four overall and Mayock saying we got to take this other guy. Like I'm just absolutely fascinated by the chaos of this situation. But I agree. I don't know what the direction is. It, it seems like it's going nice now. But just wait until Derek Carr. I mean, we talked about one of the episodes before how Ben Roethlisberger was able to accommodate for the freelancing that Antonio Brown does in the offense. You think Derek Carr is going to be able to do that? You get four weeks into the season and Antonio Brown doesn't have enough catches. I mean, this is going to be a problem. We're going to get into winners and losers next. But for me, there's always something to keep in mind. A lot of times winners and losers, you see these articles come out and they're predicated on who did the most and who did the last or who did the least rather. I don't believe in that. I believe in who's smart. Who like if you're going to spend, if you're going to spend big money, and to me, big money is you know ten million plus a year, depending on the position. Obviously, quarterback, you're talking probably twenty million more. Is the guy an all pro? Is the guy an annual pro bowler? Is he in his prime? Will the contract mostly be in his prime? If the answers to those questions are yes, then I don't mind the team spending big money. I get that. It may not work out, but I get it. If you're signing guys to 10 million plus who have never sniffed the Pro Bowl, who have never even been near an All-Pro team, mm-hmm. that's when I start getting into okay, well, that to me is is not a good move. The Raiders spent four years and 66 million dollars on Trent Brown. Like, let's be real, Trent Brown is not a top five left tackle in the NFL. No, he's not. He's paid as the highest paid left tackle in, in league history. Not, and, and here also, this goes to the plan thing. That's why I want to bring this up. They just drafted Colton Miller. Yep. He was your first-round pick, your left tackle of the future, and he's already, now he's a right tackle. And people act like, oh, it doesn't matter, left tackle to right tackle. You go ask an offensive lineman. It's a hell of a lot easier from going to tackle to guard than it is from left tackle to right tackle because it's like for you going from writing right-handed to left-handed. Mm-hmm. All your footwork, the way you punch, the way you grab, everything, it's all inverse now. That's hard. That's incredibly hard. So they're taking a guy who struggled last year at left tackle and saying, ah, that's all right, we'll stick him on the right side. Just because he's not protecting Derek Carr's blind side doesn't mean it's easier. So I have major questions. The other question is you're investing all this money and your offensive line coach is Tom Cable. Tom Cable is... <laughs> For not the first time. I'm too. just going to say it. There's no other way to be nice. Tom Cable is a brutal offensive line coach. Brutal. And if you don't believe me, go look at Seattle, who couldn't block a paper bag when Cable was the offensive line coach. And last year, the offensive line was pretty good. Mostly the same guys. The Raiders had one of the best offensive lines in football. He got there last year. That line was a mess. They couldn't block anybody. And by the way, this kind of went on the radar. They traded Coletio Assembly mm-hmm. for, for nothing just to get rid of his contract and then replaced him with a guy who is making $6 million a year more. I just I have major questions about that. I like Tyrell Williams, and I've been reporting. Multiple sources have been telling me he was going to get the most money of any receiver out in the market. Tyrell Williams is a good player. Mm-hmm. But Tyrell Williams, you're paying $11 million to have as your number two receiver with Derek Carr? I mean, I don't hate the move. I'm just kind of dubious to it. Like, you'd have so many needs to fit. Look, if that was New England doing that, I'd say, okay, they got Brady. They, they, you know, they, they are a team that has proven it knows what it's doing. Mm-hmm. The Raiders have a million defensive needs. And you're spending $11 million here on Tyrell Williams? I, I just like, and I like Tyrell Williams, but I just don't get it. I, I think like there are teams that have spent that kind of money in other areas. Like, like for an example, there are teams like if, if the Steelers had kept Antonio Brown and they paid Juju Schmidt-Schuster, fine, yeah, fine. It's a great offense. It's a proven franchise. 
the Chiefs spent a lot of money on Sammy Watkins, but that was because Tyreek Hill was making no money. Mm-hmm. By the way, Tyreek Hill is going to get $100 million this year, and you know what's going to happen? Sammy Watkins is probably going to play one more year, and then either it's going to get extended so the number goes down, or he's going to get cut. Yeah. You just, it's, it's a lot of money to spend. So for me, the Raiders are better. They're certainly better. But are they good? They're probably not good. Are they better? Like to me, I'll, I'll finish up here. Are the Raiders better than the fourth place team now in the AFC West? No. There you go. Probably not, right? Like best case, they're third. They're not better than the Chargers. Not better than the Chargers. I would argue that the Broncos are better. Like, yeah, I, I think Denver's better too. But like, you could make the argument maybe that like third, they're not better than the Chargers. Nope. And they're not better than the Chiefs. I don't think they're being better than the Broncos this year. Okay. I, I'm not saying they're, they're going to go 4-12 right. go. again, but I'm, they're not going to be better than the Broncos. Maybe they finish with the same record, but it's not going to be a third-place finish for the Raiders this year. But I guess that segues perfectly into our winners and losers segment because you would argue that the Raiders are losers in free agency um, just because they didn't get better. Like, so there's, different, there's varying degrees of being a loser in free agency. Going through some of these moves, going through some of these teams and what the, this, the free agent hall that they put together. You've got Nick Foles going to Jacksonville. You've got Le'Veon Bell going to the Jets. Those were the two premier free agents in this class, and they both go to places where you go, eh, all right. Like the Jaguars and Nick Foles, sure. Like their defensive window seems to have closed because they lose a bunch of guys this offseason. They cut Malik Jackson and lose Tayshawn Gibson. Then Le'Veon Bell to the Jets. This seems like a cash-in. Like, really, is he going to make the Jets that much better in the AFC East? No. I mean, it's a long-term play here. But, I mean, off, of, off your head here, what are you looking at as far as, like, winners and losers of this free agent class? There's definitely a few teams you can look at and say, they spent a lot of money, but I don't know if they got better. Like, the Lions already talked about, they're one of them. Jacksonville getting Nick Foles, and they're better. Because Nick Foles is better to play Bortles. Well, yeah. I mean, that, that's inarguable. Are they a playoff team? I, I don't think so. They're, they're probably like a seven-win team, which is a hell of a lot better than what they just were, but it still doesn't get you over the hump, but he just spent $22 million on a quarterback. So you could go either way there with Jacksonville. I, don't, I think I would say the Jags are a winner because they just got better at the league's most important position, and they didn't mm-hmm. spend crazy money, although some will say they had no competition. For, for Nick Foles, which is yeah. fair enough. Look, Le'Veon and the Jets, I'll actually split my decision here. I think Le'Veon is a loser because he didn't get the money that really would make up for him holding out last year. Yeah. So ultimately, you've got to say he's probably losing out. You could, you could, again, you could look at it and say, well, if he played last year, maybe he would have gotten hurt. You never know. Okay, fine. But if he doesn't get hurt, he makes a lot more money. Okay? So I think he's a little bit of a loser in this situation. I normally don't like when teams spend crazy money, and I, I mentioned the Raiders earlier in this, but I like when teams spend money on guys who are great players and are in their prime, and the Jets did that. Le'Veon Bell's still in his prime. Mm-hmm. C.J. Mosley's in his prime. Look, I think, I think the Mosley contract is really rich, $17 million a year, but C.J. Mosley's legitimately a great player. Le'Veon Bell is a great player. Okay, so I don't mind that. Jamison Crowder for $9 million a year, I... I I don't hate it because I actually think Crowder could get better outside of Washington. But it's a decent chunk of change, but I'm okay with it. Osemele coming over, again, is a great player. Clutch yeah. Osemele is not a, just a guy. Now, do I think, again, I'll, I'll go back to what I just asked about Jacksonville. Do I think they're a playoff team? Mm. I, I think I'll say this for the Jets. You could paint a picture where they win nine games and they're in the mix. 
Yeah. I wouldn't pick them. I, I want to see the draft with the Jets. I want oh, to see yeah. how the draft goes. But I like what the Jets did. I find them to be a winner. Um, and we'll, and I'll, I'll go on to my other winners and losers. Actually, I'll just I'll say this and then hand it over to you. To me, though, one of the losers in free agency was the Ravens. Yep. And, and I only bring this up because we just talked about them uh, with G.J. Mosley, and then we talked about them a little bit earlier as well. They just lost so many guys. This is a team that has a young quarterback. They're a division champ. They're trying to kind of build off that, and Mosley's gone. Zedari Smith's gone. Yep. Terrell Suggs is gone. Uh, Weddle's gone. Now, look, Thomas, I know, has come in. But, again, see, this, this is – I'm in the minority. I don't like the old Thomas contract. Mm-mm. It's $14 million plus for a guy who's been hurt significantly two of the past three years, and he's 30. Mm-hmm. You're paying for the back end of his career. You're not paying. You know, if he was 27. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. I'd be okay with it. He's 30. So I got a problem with that. Mark Ingram going to the Ravens. Again, they spend big money on him. Not huge, not crazy, so I'm not going to kill that move. I think Ingram will fit well in Baltimore because of all the read option they'll do. But I, I don't think he makes them significantly better than if they just handed off to Gus, to Gus Edwards 40, you know, 400 times a year or 300 times a year, whatever the case may be. So I got the Jets as a winner. I got Jacksonville as a slight winner. Um, just because they got so much better at the quarterback position. And then the Ravens I have is, as a loser. Yeah, I got the Packers as a winner. Cause no the, question. The totally Packers, right. every, I mean, the joke was the first day of free agency. Everybody was wondering when the Packer, Packers fans were on Twitter complaining about how they're not going out and getting free agents. And it's like, well, have you watched this team for the last 15 years? When was the last time they went out and spent on free agents? It was like, what, Reggie White in the 90s? And then it was... 93. And then it was Julius Peppers. Like, and then that's it. Like, they don't spend on free agents. So... Look, the Packers going out, they get Preston Smith. They get Zedarius uh, as well. Yeah. The Smith I, brothers. The Smith brothers. Yeah, basically. I'm impressed with what they did. Like, they go out and they, they revamp a defense. That was a problem last year. Anybody upset that they didn't get Antonio Brown is looking at this the wrong way because they were never, ever going to get Antonio Brown. Aaron Rodgers has established over the course of his career that he could throw it to the two of us and somehow still make it to a Super Bowl. The problem has been the pieces around him. It's been the defense letting him down. Even the year they won the Super Bowl, the defense wasn't that great. Everybody remembers it for Charles Woodson, but it's like that defense was not good. Don Capers was not a good defensive coordinator. Now Mike Pettin's in there. What was he going to do? Wasn't impressive last year. New head coach. We'll see what Matt LaFleur does. See what he does with the defensive staff. But going in and revamping the way that they did, getting two of the top defensive linemen in the class, that's impressive to me. So I'm really impressed with the Packers. Put them in the winner column for me. And, you know, I'd, I'd say that the Chiefs are winners too. Like, I'm not going to steal your thunder here, but to go out and get Honey Badger, and it still looks like they're going to be making some moves to, to get that defense better than it was last year, which, you know, we, we, mostly you, because this is a very firsthand experience for you, complained about the defense last year. Sutton's gone. They have a new defensive coordinator. D Ford's gone. Justin Houston's gone. Eric Berry is gone. Those are three pillars of that defense now gone. Honey Badger's in. We're going to see what they do. But that defense was still like a, a, a bad a penalty away from going to the Super Bowl. Like, D. Ford intercepted that ball. That flag isn't thrown. Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. So, yeah. like, as bad as it was, they came that close last year. I'm impressed with what they're doing because I think they're taking their championship window, something that I thought they should have done at the trade deadline last year and trade for Earl Thomas, but then he got hurt. 
Teams that wait and say, we have a good quarterback, we have a good defense, our window's open, and then they wait a couple of years, the Jaguars of a couple of years ago, maybe the Bears of last year, that window closes. The Chiefs are saying, we have a generational quarterback in Patrick Mahomes, let's go now. Because tomorrow is not promised. We might not have the same luck that we had last year next season, so let's go out and get it now. So I'm impressed, but you are much more focused on the team, both from a professional and a personal standpoint. What is your takeaway from that? My takeaway with the Chiefs, is if they sign Ronald Darby and it's not a ridiculous contract, and right now as we're recording this, he's visiting. I, in fact, I, I confirm with the source that he is still there. Um, my feeling is if they get Ronald Darby, then they had a really nice free agency period because I went on radio about a week ago, I believe it was in Kansas City, and said that Darby was the only corner that I would have any interest in um, that, that plays on the boundary. I, I like Bryce Callahan and, and Verrett as well. You, know, you and I have talked about him away from the show. I like Jason Verrett a lot. He's just always hurt. Yep. But in terms of a guy who you could plug and play, now Darby's had some injury issues of his own, but he's 25 years old, and he's a good player. He's a, he's a number one corner. At absolute worst, he's a top-end number two, and you have Kendall Fuller. Yep. So if those are your top two corners, you're fine. The Honey Badger situation, I think that's a great deal for the Chiefs. I know it's $14 million a year. It's a lot of money. But when Landon Collins got $16 million a year, Honey Badger was getting paid. That was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's Chiefs and Pam Houston was going to. Yep. So – I love that signing. And again, by the way, I, I'll just reiterate this. The Chiefs signed Tyron Matthews, who's 26 years old. Mm-hmm. He is an all-pro level player. Ronald Darby is a borderline Pro Bowl player at a position of, of premium importance, and he's 25. Yep. I don't mind, and he's not going to cost you know 15 a year. I don't mind when teams spend big money on really good to and. and in uh, Tyron Matthews' case, great players in their prime. I'm fine with that. It's when, if Tyron Matthews was 30, I'd be killing the Chiefs over this. So I like the moves. Look, you can't get past Eric Berry getting cut is that one hurts. more of an emotional hammer mm-hmm. because he's basically not been on the team for two years. The one thing that is going to drive me crazy is this national viewpoint of, well, you know, they traded Berry for Honey Patrick. No, they didn't. Berry hasn't played. Berry played last year in three games, and they lost all of them. Mm-hmm. And I'm not blaming Barry. I'm just saying he was, in, he was literally not a part of any of their wins. Okay? He did not factor in at all. So, I don't, the Chiefs cutting him, it had to happen. Justin Houston, while still a very good player, was getting $21 million and was the third best pass rusher. Mm-hmm. The one that makes you scratch your head is they traded D Ford for a 2020 second round pick. They didn't want to pay him long term, and I get that, but you could have had him for one more year on this team. Yeah. But they probably wouldn't be signing Ronald Darby if they had D Ford. And the other reason is too, and look, I've actually been saving this take for this podcast. So I'm just going to lay this out here. And I, again, I, I feel like I said this week, but I know a lot of Chief fans listen to this, so bear with me if you're not a Chief fan, but hear me out. Here's what I think Brett Feach's plan is. Some of this is just my gut, and some of this is from talking to people within the league. The draft is loaded with really good edge rushers. I talked to one player personnel man in the league who said he gave a first-round grade to 12 edge rushers in this draft. <laughs> okay, Now, not all of them are going to go on the first, but that's the point. Yeah, You're going to be able to get value on these guys. The Chiefs have a first-round pick, 29th overall, and then they have their own second and the Rams' second-round pick. And they have their own third. So they got four picks in the top 100. They have, they have three picks in the top 64. That's a lot of draft capital. They also have two seconds now next year as well. So the Chiefs can move up. They can move down. They can do whatever they want. They've got more than enough ammunition to get the job done. By cutting Houston, by cutting Barry, by, by trading Ford, you, you have draft capital. You also have financial capital to extend Tyree Kill 
and Chris Jones, which is what they want to do. Mm-hmm. This is also going to open up money eventually in a few years when they extend Patrick Mahomes for what I'm sure will be something like $12 billion. Okay, so that's their plan. And I think they're looking at it and saying, we can get the secondary guys in free agency. They did it with Tyron Matthew. I know for a fact he was a top player on their board. Mm-hmm. They got him. Last year, Sammy Watkins was a top player on their board. They got him. Veach is a big game hunter. So I think when you look at this, the Chiefs have gotten the guys they want, and they feel like they can fix the pass rush in the draft. Yeah, so I, I'll, I'll agree with all that. Because, I mean, you're much more plugged in than I am as far as an emotional standpoint and professional standpoint as well. So I'm just looking forward to what the Chiefs are going to do on defense because it was such a big sticking point, and it robbed us of what would have been a fascinating, fascinating Super Bowl, a rematch of that Monday night game that we saw with 50-plus points scored on both sides of the field. Mahomes versus McVay with golf in parentheses. Like, I mean, like, let's be real. But so we need that defense to be better because we need matchups like we were, we were jobbed of. Or even if it would have been uh, Mahomes and Breeze in the Super Bowl. Like, we, we got robbed from a little bit. I'm not blaming certain people here in Kansas City, but we'll see. Defensively need to get better. Other winner, I forgot to mention that Adrian Amos, the bear safety, went to Green Bay Very as nice. well. Very nice. So, so take him away from the division. Winner, your biggest rival. Another reason, yeah, another reason that the Packers are big winners to me. Yeah, and I would also say that Nick Foles is a winner too. No question. Because that was a narrative that we were looking at hanging into free agency. Is, is he going to be back in Philadelphia? Are they going to somehow, for some reason, give him $22 million, whatever it was? They were never going to do that. They didn't trade him. He ends up in Jacksonville where I don't know necessarily it's going to end as the way people expect it to, where he's taking them to the playoffs or the Super Bowl. I think they got him a little couple of years too late. But not a bad move for Nick Foles because he cashes in, and his legacy now is kind of solidified. He doesn't have to worry about any of that anymore. But those are the big winners and losers for me and from Vertoram. Anything else as we wrap up our uh, post-free agency episode of Stack in the Box here? My last free agency winner loser is just – Landon Collins is a winner, for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, so is his agent, his financial advisor. Yeah, like, yeah right. Everybody. David Mulligan and Landon Collins are feeling pretty good. Um, what are the Redskins doing? And, you know, this is a question I'm not going to spend a ton of time on because, frankly, nobody has a good answer to this. It's a rhetorical question. It's just, like, what are you doing? Like, and this is not to knock Landon Collins. So I think he's a hell of a player. And fits into my axiom of really good player, prime of his career. So I don't mind them going out and signing Landon Collins. Now, the money was was. Far more. I mean, I talked to a handful of team executives uh, who said, oh, universally, not almost universal, it was universal. Why did they pay him that much money? They, they could have paid him like $12 million, and, and nobody else had a market for him larger than that. And so he, they jacked up the safety market. You see all Thomas gets 14-plus, Honey Badger gets 14, so on and so mm-hmm. forth. But um, that all being said, look, it's just – it's just very, very, very hard to look at the Redskins who lost Preston Smith, who yep. traded for Ha-Ha Clinton Dix, who are going to lose him now. They're not going to comp pick fine, but they still lose him. And, and Alex Smith, they can't do anything about. But then they mm-hmm. go out, instead of just drafting a quarterback, like, let's bring in Case Keenum. Oops. Why? Why? And if you, look, I would rather them just say, we're starting Colt McCoy. Fine. We're going 3-13, and and we're going to get a number one pick in the draft next year, and we're going to draft Tua. What is the point in going out and getting and getting just a a random backup starter, really, in Keenum? It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But with that all being said, we want to thank our sponsors at Fanatics. 
Uh, they are tremendous, and really now, now you need to go to Fanatics more than ever because now you get new jerseys. Oh, uh, yeah. You can load up your Browns fan. What are you doing? You got to go get Odell Beckham's jersey. Maybe you get Sheldon Richardson's jersey there if you're you a defensive side of the ball kind of a guy, right? If you're the Raiders, you're trading in all kinds of nonsense for for Antonio Brown. And Fanatics does this thing too, which is really cool. If if you're a Giants fan and you bought a Beckham jersey, I believe it was in the last six months, they will swap the jersey. Mm-hmm. It's jersey protection, like jersey insurance. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. it, it, so Fanatics is great, not just for us as a partner, but really for you to take care of the fan. They live up to their name. Uh, and so please go to fanatics.fanside.com. Use the promo code FANSIDE. You get 20% off on your shipping. Uh, and they have everything, absolutely everything you can think of. Uh, and so we're thankful to them. And we're thankful to you for listening, uh, really, the, the – the responses to the podcast are always great. We sincerely appreciate it. Hopefully your team was a winner in free agency. If they were a loser in our books, hey, you got the draft coming up. So there's still time to fix it. Um, and maybe you disagree with us, and that's fine. Let us yeah. know. Send us a tweet. Send us an email. Um, and please go to Fansider for all your NFL needs. And for all your needs, really, just sports and entertainment. Otherwise, uh, we have a litany of things that you can go and check and read uh, from my stuff to Josh's stuff to NBA, Ian Levy, Shea mm-hmm. Corgan on the entertainment side. Patrick Smith's been killing it. March Madness is coming up. He's got college basketball, college football. Jake Wallerius with soccer. Um, so we are, we are there for all of your reading needs. So with that being said, Hill, any last thoughts? No. Let's get, let's get back to football, man. Let's do it. Let's, let's get see it if done. these are going to work. Schedule's coming out in a month. I'm jacked for that. We're going to have a lot of stuff coming up in between. We're going to try to do something different on Stacking the Box as well and start bringing on some of these upper echelon prospects. Uh, I got some things in the work, so looking forward to that. But thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed free agency and this podcast, and we will talk to you again next week.